Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Claire Stafford from SurfAid, who are empowering and supporting local communities in developing countries to enrich their own lives and increase their choices and possibilities for realising their own potential. Some of SurfAid's programs focus on addressing infant mortality, food insecurity, and female empowerment. Most recently, they launched their 30-day surf challenge that raised over $735,000. You're listening to Coogee Voice. SurfAid has evolved from very humble beginnings where we had a few malaria programs and mosquito nets and education around malaria. And in 2004, we were fundamental in disaster response after the Boxing Day tsunami. So we did a lot of disaster relief work then. Our program in Sumba is called Nusatani, and that's a food security program. And they have a very long dry season in that part of Indonesia. And we helped build one of the first solar powered drip irrigation systems to help the communities. Claire, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? I'm great. Thank you, Marjorie. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Now, before we get into talking about SurfAid, you're an Eastern Suburbs local. What do you love most about summer in the East? I'm definitely a morning person. So a sunrise along any of our beautiful beaches, whether it's a surf or a walk, is definitely a favourite. But I also love the corner of North Maroubra in the afternoons, just protected from that nor'easter. Lovely. Pop yourself down there. Very nice. If there was anything you could change, what would that be? Oh, there's not much, to be honest. Maybe just a little bit quieter sometimes on summer weekends would be nice. (laughs) Tends to get pretty hectic, but no, we're, we're so lucky to live in such a beautiful place. We are very, very lucky. SurfAid, what is it? SurfAid is a fully accredited, not-for-profit humanitarian organisation. We were founded 20 years ago by a doctor from New Zealand who went on a surf trip to the Mentawai, which back then was incredibly remote, still is, but, but very almost unknown then. And while he was there, he decided to do a bit of a tour of the islands and he found that there were many graves, some small, And so he flew back to New Zealand. His initial dreams of buying a large yacht and sailing around the Pacific changed. And he decided that he had to do something about what he'd seen. And he formed the not-for-profit SurfAge. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you run? Sure. So SurfAge has evolved from very humble beginnings where we had a few malaria programs and mosquito nets and education around malaria. And in 2004, we were fundamental in the disaster response after the Boxing Day tsunami. So we did a lot of disaster relief work then. And since then, we've grown into a fully accredited developmental agency, which means that we focus on high ROI, very simple changes. So we work with mothers and children around infant and maternal health. 
we work with communities around food security and we, we focus on clean water and basic things which can really, really change people's livelihoods and improve their quality of life. Can you give us a little bit more detail about some of the improvements or achievements that you've been able to get in these communities? One of our longest running programs is in NIAS. It's a program called EHO, and we've been working there for five years. When we started working there, only 25% of the community had access to clean water. And we've worked there to develop and set up what's called Posiandu, which are community health posts where mothers can go and get information about prenatal and postnatal care. And in conjunction with setting those up and helping the communities to dig latrines and improve things like hand washing rates, we've been able to reduce maternal mortality rates to zero since we started working there. And we've also reduced infant malnutrition rate to zero. So we're super proud of that program. We are also one of the, we've actually helped, our program in Sumba is called Nusatani, and that's a food security program. And they have a very long dry season in that part of Indonesia. And we helped build one of the first solar power drip irrigation systems to help the communities get through that period. So ensuring that they have year-round good nutrition. Your programs focus on enabling local people to develop and apply their own development ideas rather than simply delivering your own. Why is empowerment such a key focus? Yeah, look, it's, it's a great question. You know, it's something that we've learned early on through mistakes, I guess, and what we've seen other organisations do. You can't just deliver toilets to communities who haven't, they don't even know what they're for. So we have to really understand our communities long-standing beliefs and work with them to change behavior. So we have to understand what's motivating their behaviors and work with them with a, in a, a very sensitive, culturally sensitive way. So what the core of what we do is really around behavior change and yeah, making sure that the things that we do will have long-lasting impact so that when we leave those areas, the communities can continue to help themselves. One of the other things is you focus on the role of women in helping improve communities. Why women? What is the significance of that? So we know that addressing the inequalities in gender and helping empower women is fundamental to economic and social development. So we know that by helping women with contraception, by stopping them from having so many children, from helping them to have healthier children, from educating them, they can have more influential roles in the household is critical. So that's one aspect of it. And what we've also found is that when we give the women in our communities new information, when we talk to them about doing things differently, they share the knowledge. So we always have this bit of a commentary in the office that, you know, the men compete with each other, but the women share the knowledge. And we know anecdotally that when we go back to the communities we work in, we'll say, so what have you done with the knowledge? What have you done with the information we've talked to you about? They'll say, I've told my sister, I've told my auntie, I've told my friend, and that has a lovely ripple effect. Now, over lockdown and winter, you and a group of other women were making a wave, I might like to say. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Sure. 
So SurfAid has, for a while, wanted to do um, what's called a peer-to-peer campaign, so a virtual event, which is quite different from our fundraising activities we've done before. And we launched the first ever 30-day surf challenge in conjunction with Billabong. And we invited people from all around Australia and all around the world, in fact, to surf for 30 days straight in September and asked their friends and family to support them with the challenge. And what was interesting is that whilst a lot of our other channels are really male-dominated, we found that Make-A-Wave attracted some wonderful women's groups and particularly quite large groups, actually, of women who took on the challenge wholeheartedly surfing every day, fundraising their hearts out and going out in all sorts of conditions that they wouldn't have otherwise. So it's brought to SurfAid a whole new audience. And we've also heard, you know, that people have loved meeting up with other people in their communities, in their local areas. And it's had the knock-on effect of helping them get through lockdown by connecting them to other women like-minded women who share passions and want to do something good and be out in the ocean. How much money did you raise? We raised $735,000, which we were mind-blown about and delighted. (laughs) That is absolutely remarkable. And kudos to all the women that were getting out there and surfing through the cold, winty winter that we had. That's right. So it was actually a group from Bondi, Randwick, Coogee area who were our highest fundraising team. So we were super proud of the girls. Um, Group of girls from all different backgrounds, different ages, different life stages who came together and just got this huge wave of momentum. And they were so inspiring, yeah, going out in crazy onshore winds and and freezing weather and super inspiring and very proud, yeah. You've touched on the work that you've done in Indonesia. Where else has SurfAid been running programs? So in 2019, we started a small pilot study in the Solomon Islands because we know that there's much work to be done in the Pacific. And we worked with Family Planning New South Wales on a cervical cancer screening program. We know that in in the Solomon Islands particularly, there's a very high rate of cervical cancer, predominantly driven by women not being able to access screening services, really down to cultural beliefs, and actually because their husbands believe that they shouldn't be tested because they've been doing things they shouldn't be doing. So we use the model that we've used in Indonesia, which is really around behaviour change, and we implemented that in the Solomons. And that was really successful, so much so that we just signed a new MOU with the Solomon Islands and SIPA, which means that we'll be doing a new, a bigger program in 2022, which we're really excited about. So what's next for SurfAid? We're continually looking at where we can apply the SurfAid model. So our heartland is always going to be Indonesia and the Pacific. We know there's need in the Pacific, but we also need to stay true to our brand. So we have to work in places that are connected to us through surfing in really remote places. So yeah, more work in the Solomon Islands, continuing work in the mental eye. And we're also um, exciting, exciting news. We're working with some of the charter boats to help distribute some vaccines to the remote communities. So 
you'll see that coming up at the end of this year. Claire, one of the questions I think on every surfer's mind is how bad is COVID in some of these developing countries? Yeah, look, we know it's really bad. Not only is the virus more easily spread in the really highly densely populated areas, but in the remote areas, so places where we work, it's access to hospitals, access to oxygen. Even if you can get to hospitals, there's not enough oxygen. We've had to medivac surveyed staff to Jakarta to get them care in critical conditions and it's devastating the communities. It's really, really tough for them. Claire, before I let you go, there are three very tough questions we ask all of our guests that come on to Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best coffee and where you can get the best burger. Go. It's got to be Maroubra. I'm a Maroubra girl. The best coffee has to be at the Bay Bakehouse from the lovely Johnny. And burger, oh, it's not really up my street burgers. Got to be feedback. Claire, if people would like to learn more about SurfAid or get involved, where should they head to? So you can go to our website, which is surfaid.org, for more information around our programs. And if you're interested in getting involved in any of our events, you can also find out about them there. But the Make a Wave Challenge is at makeawave.com.au. Claire, thanks for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thank you so much for having me, Marjorie. Wow, what an inspirational group of women. Now, if you'd like to learn more about SurfAid, check them out on Instagram at SurfAid. You've been listening to Coogee Voice.